0: On episode 34 of the Goblin Trash Masters, we talk all about magic finance and how to make playing this luxury game cheaper for your broke ass. Also, we tell you specifically how to go flump yourself. Nerd! I'm Kyle, joined by my partners in crime. Say hello, Ashley.
1: Yeah, go flump yourself, nerd.
2: Say hello, Anthony. We don't do lateral pitches, Ashley. They warned me not to yoke myself to the gacha, but did I listen? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's talk some trash.
0: What's up, idiots? Stonks,
2: stonks. Stonks.
0: The stonks have never been higher or lower. I don't know. I'm not a tech bro or a douchebag or whatever.
2: Oh, speaking of tech bro, douchey tech bros, did you all did <laughs> you all hear that the bird is dead? Yes. The, b- the bird? Yeah, yeah, Twitter is no longer Twitter. It doesn't have the blue bird as a thing. It's just X now. It's just the Unicode letter X. Like okay. marketing
1: wise seems like such a bad idea.
2: Yeah. I mean, but he, like, did this with PayPal, too, right? Like, PayPal had gotten to the Mm -hmm. point where it was, like, a verb. We're like, oh, PayPal me that. And he was just like, but (laughs) what if instead we called it the letter X? They're like, but you can't trademark that. And he's just like, no, that's cool. We'll have a specialty logo. And then he's like, the logo is literally just the Unicode letter X, so that also can't be trademarked? Don't worry. The application that has been an unable to show you 144 characters consistently over the course <laughs> of the past few months, like it keeps failing at doing that. It's just like next up payments. We're going to handle banking and stuff. How about that? Trust us with that. I know you could. We <laughs> trust us. We definitely we Such definitely didn't. If we definitely didn't fail <laughs> to not not build a working tool, just basic maintenance of a working tool. And the working tool isn't doing anything crazy. Again, it's showing you 144 text characters at a time fails to do it. It's too hard. And and they're like, ah, you know, I don't know about you all, but whenever I fail something spectacularly, I say that usually means that I'm ready to do another newer, harder thing. I think this is what they mean when they say failing upwards. The, the fake it till you make it like type thing. Oh my god, speaking of, speaking of non-functional web tools that used to be just like, okay, when's the last time somebody's had to order something on TCG Player? Oh, I, I haven't done it in a while, like a long is time. It, is, is it, it bad? bad? It's it's the worst. It's awful. God, it's TCG, worse than
0: it used to be, and it, it was
2: bad back then. <laughs> TC, uh, TCG Player, see, what they did was, when presented with the choice between improving their platform or just buying their competitors, they chose the latter. They're like we can't lose if we own all the teams. So
1: Star City Games used to have a site to buy off of, right? Like Nickarmosh site. Or am I misremembering they, something? You
2: you could buy from Star City yeah. Games. They're just weren't a, they just were not they were not a marketplace. Like I couldn't sell some cards on Star City Okay, just had their own inventory that they then sold from. Same as like Card Kingdom stuff, like.
1: Because I remembered liking buying from their from their website a lot.
2: Yeah, they they're great. Very,
1: yeah, it was a very nice, easy to use thing. And then I was upset when but they had to use other things. Their yeah, e commerce searches like, were just like so bad. And yeah,
0: ugh. I've been sticking with Card Kingdom, and I've been real happy. Like I prefer Card Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, when when they when they ship something, you know you're gonna get it when when they tell you it's gonna be there. Sometimes even beforehand. And yeah, they always
2: got good stuff. And if you spend more than three hundred dollars on an order, not hashtag not sponsored. When you spend more than $300 in an order, you get free two day shipping. So that's like some Amazon shit right there. Mm hmm.
0: It's you a, buy a lot of
2: foils from them. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Card Kingdom. But has, like, we can complain about buying magic cards all day. But has anybody ever tried to actually buy into any other card game besides magic? No. Like, has anybody ever tried to be like, I'm going to buy a Pokemon deck and play Pokemon? No. Oh my god, I did it.
1: You did it. You played it's... Pokemon?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh boy. I Once played Pokemon <laughs> for like I played Pokemon for like 3 months. I top-eighted every event I played in. <laughs> and then the format rotated and I was just like, yeah, this is whatever. I don't really care about this. Um hmm. and the reason I didn't get a new deck or do something else was because the experience of buying Pokemon cards was so fucking rancid. Mm-hmm. It's so bad because And someone's just like, oh, all of the cards for Pokemon are so cheap. I'm like, yeah, no shit. Nobody wants them. (laughs) Like, of course, they're cheap. There's no real secondary market for these cards. Nobody cares. And because nobody cares, no one's selling them. Like, the card might be, you know, 12 cents on TCG player. You're not getting that card for 12 cents. I'm sorry. Like, you're probably not going to get it at all. You'll order it, and then a month will go by, and they'll be like, yeah, sorry, inventory issue. Oh, I so if like you wanted that. to if you want to go and like flesh and blood has the same issue. I tried okay. to buy into flesh and blood. I threw I threw $400. Oof. I was just like $400. That is everyone's like, you can get a flesh and blood deck for a 100. And I was like, cool, whatever. $400. <laughs> Here it is all at <laughs> once. Let's go. I still to this day do not have a complete flesh and blood.
1: Oh, that is because impressively bad.
2: That's how it is with most games, and people don't realize that. People that exclusively interact in Magic are not aware of how much the secondary market, like they'll they'll whine about the secondary market. They'll be like, ah, this this speculators <laughs> are making my having Glitch seven dollars, <laughs> but they don't like when cards have value. People can make money off of, them. and when people can make money off of something, they do that thing. Yeah. Correct. I don't know about you, but each of already got them goddamn pyramids. People like me don't be doing work for free no more. No one. Judaism. No one oh His Vision's based on movement. Oh.
0: So that's our topic for today is finance and magic. If you couldn't figure that out already.
1: <laughs> that was a beautiful, beautiful segue.
2: It was something. It was, <laughs> it was
1: something. It was a thing. I don't know.
2: <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. Hey, has anybody ever come up to you and asked you what church do you go to? Uh, uh Ever since I moved yeah. to Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that I shit didn't happen in Florida. I wish, I wish it would happen. I know that we segued into the topic. I'm segwaying back the fuck out. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> Relevancy part like the Red Sea.
1: No, but what would your answer be, though? I want to know.
2: I would literally laugh them out of the room. And not just because I'm addicted to night <laughs> and I offer it to all of my guests. I would literally laugh them off of the property. Well, Plus, I, if they invite you to something like a, a church cookout or something like that, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Like. Outside of the building, because inside of the building is where it gets. from Outside of the building, I'm like, yeah, I'll eat this. Fr- I'll eat- I'll eat the catfish and I'll be nice, okay. But <laughs> inside of the building, it's just like it's always so awkward. You run into the priest, and then you're just like, oh my god, I met him on Grinder, and then <laughs> you got to answer all sorts of awkward questions from him, like, why did you steal that candelabra from me, Valjean?
1: <laughs> we are oh off to a strong god. start today, my friends.
2: Oh, this is oh, this is fantastic. All right, all right, I'm done with this type five. Talk okay. about magic cards.
1: Okay, I guess that's what we're here for, right? That's kind of the premise. Yeah,
2: basically, I think the moral of the vague moral of this story that we've gotten so far—I mean, moral in the way that like Bad Cinderella, the musical had a moral. It's like kind of there, I guess, is that <laughs> magic needs a secondary market, and the secondary market needs magic. Like definitely, the two like this game does not survive as long as it does without the secondary market. I understand that people are upset that the game pieces that they want to play with aren't 12 cents like and you know i just wish they'd consider being less poor you know so here's the deal i've so i think what we're going to talk about today is mostly going to be in regards to magic how to be less poor you're very conservative when it comes to magic which is hilarious (laughs) yes i believe in a completely completely viciously completely unregulated free market when it comes to things that people don't need to live Yes. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I, housing. That's fair. I don't think I don't think that failing to be good at your job at McDonald's should mean the penalty of that is homelessness or starving to death. I think a reasonable penalty for being bad at your job at McDonald's is not having dual lands. Yeah, fair, yeah. <laughs> Listen, they, when they when they say you get more conservative as you get older, I always <laughs> just imagined that that meant put enough red sources in your deck to actually cast the Kiki Cheeky. We don't talk to those people. Them people's is crazy, but. We're gonna make. Um, I have my I have my crypto bro hat on today. We're gonna you're, gonna you're gonna buy. We're gonna sell you some NFTs art. It's an NFT you can hold. Yeah. NFTs not fucking today. We're not.
1: <laughs> oh <laughs> my it. god, that's um, an excellent sticker.
2: You should make that as an NFT. My god, we're, this is this is this is a snake eating its own tail. It does. <laughs> we're gonna make two two big assumptions about you, the listener today. First, we're going to assume that you have at least like a base level understanding of supply and demand. And that's the idea that low supply or high demand can increase the price of something, whereas high supply and low demand decreases the price of that thing. You just simply put, things that there aren't a lot of and people want a lot cost more than things that there are a million of and nobody really cares about. Right? There are dozens of just like sticks and rocks outside of my house. Nobody wants them, and there's just a shit ton of them. So if I tried <laughs> to sell that to somebody, they'd be like, no, I, I'm not paying you money for that. I don't want those. Okay. I'll the second up thing, I'll pick that. Yeah, I can I can just find that for free. like mm-hmm. Just like it's birds. Just like birds. You can just take. I was playing Breath of the Weath. Sorry. Breath of the Wild for the first time. <laughs> oh, fucking what? The person who lent it to me calls it Breath of the Weath. So I just in I'm conversation at that forever now. Yeah. And I like went to go buy some food from a grill and the the shopkeeper was just like, huh, that's pretty wild that you'd pay for this. Consider you could just like pick up food off the ground, it's free. And I was just <laughs> like, Yep, there you go. I think this makes a great example. The second assumption we're making is that you are not trying to make money off of buying and selling magic skills. There's plenty of opportunity to do that because magic singles have value but we're going to assume for our purposes this time we're not going to be going deep into like the mtg finance speculation any of that we're going to mostly just assume that you are a magic player first and foremost that just wants to have the cards that you need to play in competitive events without getting absolutely blown out price wise
1: it (laughs) does yeah
2: like have you ever passed on buying something at 20 and then you go to a convention booth and you need to have it right then and there and you pay 40 for it. Yeah, OK. Yeah, stuff like that. That happens. So our main focus is how to avoid that. Mm-hmm. We're going to be completely ignoring the resale of singles and we're going to focus on finance from the perspective of a tournament player who wants to scramble for cards as little as possible and doesn't want to overpay for stuff. So we have three concepts we're going over today. They have been named by me and I call them <laughs> one buy low sell never two the casuals are driving the bus and three peak supply
1: so we're literally going to play stocks but with cardboard
2: yes correct that is the basic concept here when anything has value and that value fluctuates what you are doing is something close to what you are doing when you are working in the stock market right mm-hmm. although i I did see somebody that tried to short ma- magic singles once that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't work as a thing.
0: I've, I've heard that term as far as like stocks go, but what, what do you mean by that? Like, I'm, com- I'm a complete idiot when it comes to a lot of this stuff.
2: I believe this is likely to be edited out, but the general <laughs> the general concept is that you sell something that you don't have for a lower price than it's currently selling for by because you bet that price is going to go even lower than what you're selling it for. So shorting a magic card would be like I'm going to sell twenty copies of Scalding Tarn mm-hmm. at eighteen bucks. They're twenty bucks right now, so I'm gonna sell those really quick. But I'm doing that because I believe by the time people come to get their scalding tarns from me, they're gonna be ten dollars and I'll be able to go and buy them for ten. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This
0: will probably be edited out too, but just like T C G Player.
2: Yeah, yeah. A TCG player kind of does the opposite a lot of the time where like if, a car, if something increases in value abruptly, they'll be like, mm, well, we're actually not going to ship it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's true. So let's start off with buy low, sell never. One of the first and simplest concepts for the average Magic player who is not set up to buy and sell singles online is that you want to buy shit when it's as cheap as possible and never sell those things. Just hoard all of the playable magic cards. That's right. Can you? Why don't you go into that a little bit for us, Kyle? Why don't you tell us a bit about the Sell Never? So
0: the, the Sell Never is basically, because you know, a lot of us have suffered from this where it's just like, oh, I want to play this deck. You don't really like it. You sell the cards. Two months later, half the cards in that deck are in a deck you want to play. And you're over there buying them again. The point of Selling Never is just, just have playable magic cards.
2: I, I just think that if, you, if selling cards to you means selling them to a vendor or selling them to a store, your sales are not ever making you money. No.
1: No, because they have to resell them.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like, everyone that is buying and selling cards is doing so because they believe that they can turn your cards plus their infrastructure for selling cards into an amount of money that is greater than what they are paying for your cards plus their operating costs. That's the end of it. Like, nobody is buying cards from you out of the goodness of their heart. They are doing it because they think they can make money off of it. That profit margin is generated between the value of your card and what they are paying you for it. Okay? Now, that's not to say that you should never sell your cards to a vendor, never sell your cards to a store. Those are all great things. But if your goal is to make money, it's not a good idea. No. If your goal is to save money long term, it's also just not a good idea. Mm-mm. Like one of the really big strengths of this hobby, and I hear about it all the time, is that uh, because I've I've done it, uh, I operate on margins much, much thinner than a store because I don't have to pay to keep the lights on mm-hmm. in a brick and mortar store mm-hmm. um, is I will oftentimes people will be like, hey, this and this and this happened. I need to turn these magic cards into a new refrigerator. Yeah. I need to turn I need to turn these magic cards into this next car payment. Mm-hmm. And if you have cards, you can do that. But if you're cashing out those cards constantly for like forty cents, like I'm gonna be real with you, most most people that what you're paying cash for it is gonna be forty cents, fifty cents on the dollar. Yeah. If you're lucky. Versus. If you're selling them directly on TCG player, you're probably getting TCG low minus 10%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, or if you're selling to a backpack vendor, you're looking at TCG low minus like 15%. Like they, folks like that will take razor thin margin. That stuff's fine. Mm-hmm. If you have these cards, if you're making hay while the sun is shining and you have mm-hmm. this deep collection, you'll find a few things happen. First of all, I, for me, I spend like no money on magic cards. Mm-hmm. I don't like... Like, at this point in my life, magic is a significantly cheaper hobby for me because of this. Like, I really don't have to mess with any of it. I spend way less because I have such a deep collection. And also, like, your deep collection is more able to bail you out. If something comes up and you need it, you have something significant. You're spending less money, and you've got a nice little buffer behind you.
0: Which Which is a good thing, too, just for any... I guess, like any type of player, any style of like any style of play that you have, whether you're like, I only play combo decks, I only play aggro, you're just having a deep collection, just you don't have to worry about it,, mm-hmm. which, which is fine, like Lord of the Rings came out recently, that's a prime example. people are trying to get the one ring bow masters, delighted halfling you're gonna play, you have to pay a decent amount of money for some really good staple new cards, but once you have them, you have them. you're not scrambling and spending over two hundred dollars to find cards that are hard to find or that you you need and just you, it's another thing you can front load mentally and just don't have to worry about. You just have cards
2: and you can mm-hmm. play magic. And then like when something like Lord of the Rings comes out, like if I want to play Scam, mm-hmm. I need to find two bowmasters at least. Like I mean, max, I own two bowmasters. I've just ended up with two bowmasters just by like existing. Um, And just like playing and doing stuff and just being a part of it, just like Mm -hmm. playing in some drafts and playing in some sealed events and stuff like that. Like I just have the two bowmasters. I just don't have to worry about that. Like bowmasters, I oh god, it spikes to forty dollars. Like okay, whatever, it's eighty dollars, and I have my playset. Can you imagine if I'm just like I need to play scam this weekend? Oh god, bowmasters are forty bucks a piece. Well, I need to spend. 160 on bowmasters plus the mana base and griefs are 30 a piece what modern horizons 2 came out a-, a while ago if you you should have you should have griefs you should have griefs even if you're not currently playing a deck that contains grief if you plan to play modern just have grief I don't mm. I don't know what to tell you like you <laughs> you just limit your ability to play decks that are the right choice in any given weekend if yep. you are saying like for me to switch to Living End would cost me zero dollars. For me to switch to Poor Color at this point would cost me zero dollars. For me mm-hmm. to switch to Yogg Moth would probably cost me like thirty bucks because I still don't own a I still don't own a place at Yogg Moth. So I've no excuse for that. Yeah.
0: Anthony, that's an in- insult. <clears throat> I would just yeah. give you the deck.
1: When MH two came out, I, I already started investing in the the Shocklands or not the Shocklands, Jesus. The Fetchlands. The Fetchlands.
0: Mm-hmm. When they uh, dropped
1: yeah. Because I wasn't even playing competitively. I wasn't even sure I was going to play competitively. And I was like, I want these because if I do play competitively, then I have them. Mm-hmm. And so I have play sets of a couple and I have at least two copies of others. Just and this way you just have fetch
0: those. lands, like, yep. which is a good thing, you know?
2: <laughs> it's just there's so much less friction when you want to move to a different deck. You can do that mm-hmm. without having to break the bank. I play living in for one week and say like, This is not a good spot for me to be in in modern right now. I need to play something else. That's a lot less painful if I already own Living End and I've spread out all the purchases for Living End across going back a couple years and I already own the deck I'm moving into because I've spread out those purchases across a couple years. And I like that point
0: too of just spreading out purchases over like years, months. You know, it's a long period of time. We're not saying you just have to buy a box of every staple in the format of modern or pioneer just Mm -hmm. you purchasing cards when new sets come out or just be like hey i want to play modern at some and i want a big collection you just getting staples over time goes a very very long way if you have a play set of the elementals the fetch lands of shock lands that's a big bulk of it for for the modern format in particular
1: so what would you say to players who are buying in now because they don't have a deep collection like what What's the best way to start that? Because I know that, like I saw it with the fetch lands, but there are other things that I just don't have.
2: Well, I think your instinct was perfectly correct. Fetch lands are the way to start, especially if we're talking like modern. You could do fetch lands, you could do shock lands, but start with real estate. Start with your mana base, because even if the deck that you're kind of looking at becomes not good by the time you're done, if you start with the mana base, then that is that much of a head start to everything. Yeah, my my advice to you is let's say you don't have an event immediately coming up that you need to buy a deck for. Mm-hmm. Let's say you've got all the time in the world and you're just looking to beef up your collection that you have that flexibility. This is where buy low comes in. And that's a simple concept where you want to take cards that are seeing consistent play in non-rotating formats like modern and buy them at their lowest price point possible. So for newly printed cards, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about peak supply later. But there are some cards that are already established. I like to use something like MTG Stocks, which is a really cool website that will show you on a graph the price trajectory that a card is following. You should assume that things that are in the process of going up are going to continue and things that are going down are going to dip. But the fact of the matter is, is if you look at it and you're at your LGS and they have got a grief that is on sale that they're they're selling and grief is like 20 Mm -hmm. bucks, grab the grief at $20. I don't care if you don't need the grief right now. Just have it, just mm-hmm. have it, put it in the binder, be ready to go. Okay. I also, yeah, just like when you see something that's a good deal, just take it. Yeah. This is also how you end up with more than a playset of cards, which is funny, but this is how I ended up with so many Furies. I just like, I just kept finding like good deals on Furies. But then the thing is, is that I'm able to, you know, like I have the extra Fury and somebody needs a Fury. I will just sell them the Fury for market price. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not giving any store, any vendor a cut of that. Right I'm just to right to yeah. the person. <laughs> and they're getting a good deal because they're yeah. not paying. They're not paying your LGS's is electric electric, right? They're not playing for TCG player to drain the blood of the innocents in that Syracuse basement. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to know about that. The memory <laughs> serum has worn off. Oops.
1: Sorry, guys.
2: Talk about a cabal ritual.
1: <laughs> <laughs> God, we're such nerds.
2: Ashley, we're
0: literally recording a magic the gathering podcast talking about
2: finance in it come on
1: leave it to me to point out the obvious
2: with more than 50 percent accuracy rude so new combos new combos are a big way that Flump. prices. what i furious I, he
1: what's this
2: <laughs> don't it's a new combo you can look it up later uh, it's, wow. a, it, it's, it's 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 stupid it's just not it's i'm just looking at it and i'm just like what is this supposed to do it's making just like, anthony ah. viscerally angry <laughs> i'm just like oh okay cool it's f- it's it's the lucky charms combo but like all of the cards are somehow less playable
1: what is what i find funny is that i actually recognize the card flump
2: oh yeah afr yeah it's funny yeah go flump yourself later Ashley is spasming so hard that her headset went flying off of her body.
1: <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine.
2: But combo pieces are good. Mm-hmm. Not the flump, but things that go with the flump are usually a good thing to pick up. Right? Flump is mm-hmm. like a more recent card, but what's another part of that combo? Like it's flump, bowmasters bow and Bow You brought it up. We're riding with this fucking example, Kyle.
0: Yeah. Okay, I know. I did it to myself. <laughs> Like I think those are really like the only good
2: cards in this deck. I uh, mean, what what are the other pieces of the combo? Is what I mean. I have a list. flump and bowmasters and something to make Bowmasters flump ind- indestructible, indestructible. Right.
0: It's a convoke spell that no one plays anymore. Pretty much. Hold, please. Ephemeral shields and blacksmith skill are the ones that make it indestructible.
2: Okay, but blacksmith so, skills
0: is a playable modern magic card. So
2: so like in this situation, right? The Card from that with the upside that I see right now is actually flump. With financial upside is flump. Yeah. Okay. Because it's a rare, the True. supply is going to be lower mm-hmm. and it's dirt cheap. Even with mm-hmm. this combo, it's still fifty cents. And the reason for that is that you're going to be able to buy them for fifty cents right now. Okay. But mm-hmm. uh, because the the combo is a meme and it's going to die off and whatever, who cares? Mm-hmm. Okay. But the fact of the matter is that combo does exist, and if you get pieces that are a little more tuned and maybe something that does this in a slightly more productive way, this flump, that flump combo will pop up again. And then all of a sudden, that's going to be a second spike in the cost of flump. The first spike is usually maintained because, you know, all these LGSs might have their rares, and people are buying them at like 50 cents a dollar, blah, 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 blah. blah. Mm-hmm. And then everybody is going into their house and checking their AFR bulk draft chaff, and pulling all the flumps out and selling them to the lgs or selling them on tcg player okay and demand goes up but supply is able to keep up with it because people are grabbing stuff out of the wo- like people are dragging flumps up from wherever to keep the market fed the second spike however if this when this combo dies off and then in two years there is some other piece that gets printed and all of a sudden flumps becomes mentioned again all of the copies that were in people's draft chaff, all of the copies that were in people's bulk boxes, all of the copies that the stores went and checked their bulk rare box that they were selling to for fifty cents, those are all going to be gone, and people are going to buy the flumps again, but there's not going to be that 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 backup supply to keep it fed. That's what I mean when I say a second spike hits way harder.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I like and I, I think another example of just you know a combo deck. That became a real deck where there was like a big spike. Is it was pre MH2 Hammer Time. That was kind of a meme deck mm-hmm. in a sense. And then Urza's <laughs> Saga got printed because like Pure Steel Paladin, Cargardaz, and Colossal Colossal Hammer were out for a while. Mm-hmm. Then Urza's Saga comes along, and Hammer Time had its you know day. It's 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 a it's a deck in the meta. It's not a meme anymore. So it just like takes I'm, the right printing.
2: I'm gonna check out Pure Steel Paladin real quick, and I'm gonna look at that price graph pure steel paladin we can see a first spike that happened right around the time that the revolt mm-hmm. okay, which if i'm recalling correctly that puts us in what what happened around that time
0: that was the the zero mana equipment grape shot deck wasn't it
2: yeah that was the cheerios deck yes that's it it. that that's mm-hmm. what happened okay. mm-hmm. and then i'm following this and it drops like a rock mm-hmm. and then we're talking and then we have the hammer time and that spike hit so hard and it's basically maintained the price like the price Mm -hmm. is above nine dollars average nine dollars market right now and that's because pure steel paladin was kind of a like was kind of like a meme card for a while you know and it was worth sub two dollars for most of its time in existence until that first spike happened and it jumped up in price and then all of the copies came out of the woodwork to drive that price back down and it stayed there for a while and then the second spike and that spike went up as well from that hammer time deck but then the price didn't the price went down slightly over time but it stayed steady but it stayed really steady and that's because the card was harder to find that second mm-hmm. spike hit hard and it stuck okay so that's what i mean when i'm talking about like a second spike
1: makes sense so what about the other combo pieces surrounding something like a form would you buy them then or would you wait on those
0: i'd say with orcish Bowmasters being one of the combo pieces it's just a generically good card you can just buy it and have it like it's yeah. not
2: just a card that's used in the combo deck mm-hmm. orcish bow Bowmaster is one of those cards that if anybody sees it for a if somebody sees it at an lgs and that lgs is selling it for like 15 bucks just buy it yeah i don't care that's what and i, I do <laughs> i don't care you should not care if you have ten copies. Yeah, just All buy right. it. Just buy it. Buy it at fifteen dollars. You mm-hmm. s- sell it to a friend for twenty. You are giving your friend a great deal.
0: Yeah, and still making like profit, which is insane. Yeah,
2: <laughs> which is great. But in general, like fetches are a good place. Like we talked about before, mm-hmm. is like buying those. Like once the cost is low, even if you don't need them right now, just buy it. But in general, with combo pieces, I like to, if I'm buying combo pieces, I'm buying the piece that is unique. So in that case, an effect like Flump is a really unique effect, right? Mm -hmm. Where that's not one that we're going to see reprinted soon, but we might see a more efficient way to give something indestructible. We might see a more efficient way to when your opponent draws cards, deal a damage to Flump.
0: I might find
2: efficient tu- tutors that come yeah. out, you know. You never know. Stuff like that mm-hmm. always makes makes those sort of things better. So I usually try and pick up the card that I think will have be the hardest to replace. Now, Sounds I start with what's the hardest to replace, and then what's the most playable outside of this. So in this case, like... If I can find a blacksmith skill, I don't think the flump combo is doing anything to the price of blacksmith skill. (laughs) That card is playable, and I Mm -hmm. think you should have a play set even if you're not playing hammer time right now. So Mm -hmm. if you find blacksmith skill in the bulk box at your LGS and they're asking for a quarter for it, just give them the the coin. Give them your quarter of one American dollar. Mm -hmm. Thank you, man child of the summoning papers. Oh, okay. So story time.
1: Yes, please.
2: Yes, please. Another segue. <laughs> there is a there is an LGS right near where I live that was open for years. It was really, really great. I have extremely fond memories of it. It was called Cosmic Oasis. And the mm-hmm. owner's son worked the register a lot, especially when he was like a young teenager to, you know, early 20s. And me and my roommate, Jeremy, at the time, this was a very long time ago, would go into the store in ridiculous character.
1: Wearing costume?
2: So, usually we'd be wearing balloon animal hats.
1: <laughs> Love it.
2: Because we would make balloon animal hats, you know. As we one talked, no, well, I we about, know. We talked about the night before. We already covered this. Oh,
1: yeah, it's a lot. It's all it's coming a together.
2: <laughs> yeah. Went in and said, you, man child at the summoning papers, I require emeralds. You'd be so flustered. And then. And then Jeremy would grab a handful of green dice and slam them down on the counter and point aggressively at them. And I would say, emeralds. Oh,
0: Lord. Oh, yes. That was, that was, that was a great side story. A little side quest for emeralds. Yeah.
1: What balloon animal has?
0: Whatever I could make. I was very bad at balloon animals. <laughs> did, they, did they even resemble animals? Probably not. Honestly, manugles. I was consuming
2: a lot of night. Nice <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a giraffe. Like, it's literally a circle.
2: So big takeaway here. Is if you find something for a good price, and it's a staple, just buy the just staple. Buy it. I don't care if you don't need it right now. Staples are especially low risk because if you buy it and you're just like, I really don't need this, you can sell it to just like a friend, mm-hmm. and you don't have to give somebody else a big cut of that. Your friend, like if it if if it's selling on TCG Player for twenty bucks, and you tell your friend, Hey, I've got this. Give me twenty dollars, and we're good. That's awesome your friend doesn't have to pay for shipping doesn't have to pay the the tcg player fucking tax which is who knows if it's gonna get there or when it's gonna get there we sent it by carrier pigeon yeah
1: (laughs) what drives the prices of cards
2: usually how much the mule whines about it oh god you said
0: cards (laughs) we just got to keep a count of how many times we can make ashley laugh so hard her headphones
2: fall off
1: (laughs) everything's fine they're still there
2: it's all good the casuals are driving. The casuals are driving this bus. The filthy casuals. Yep. How dare. Yeah, depending on what your trajectory through competitive magic looks like, this might be a concept that's difficult for you to understand or for some of you to accept. Like but you. the most yeah, the most casual <laughs> players in the game, I, I I came to terms with this a long time ago. I think it's great. The most casual players in the game are the ones that are determining how much things cost. The way it is, the... Theme deck type commander players outnumber us three to one. Yep. Yeah. This is basically the plot to the movie of Bug's Life.
0: Yeah. Wait, are we the grasshoppers? Oh, no.
2: Yeah. We're the bad guys. We play Magic the Gathering. We're the villains. (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: true. (laughs)
2: Have you ever, have you talked to any other card game enthusiasts anywhere ever? The Magic players are the villains. I'm sorry. (laughs) We are the locusts that come through and eat the prize support for any game that danes to come close to having reasonable prize support <laughs> like they'll be like we're gonna do dual masters we're gonna start up dual masters i know we played a bit of magic and we're not very good at it we're gonna do some dual masters now and then everyone's just like yeah whatever do your dual masters and then like it gets popular and builds up a bit of a following and then they're like we're gonna, lgs is like we're gonna host a dual master tournament with actual prizes and then every magic player in the community is just like oh wow this is like significant prizing cool uh, how do I play Duel Master? Sell me a deck. And they buy a deck and they all play in it and they stomp all those players. And then that game dies immediately. <laughs> we are the locusts. We come in and just devour. Oh, uh, yeah.
1: Anthony and Pokemon.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had a Pokemon player that was like really trying to learn to play magic really well. Mm. And he he's was, he was doing really well. He's making good gains. And then I ended up playing against him in Pokemon, and I beat him in Pokemon. And I said, I thought you were supposed to be good at this game. I remember that? Oh, my God. Oh, no. He was like, stupid ADP. Hate it so much. I was <laughs> like, I don't even know what any of these cards are. <laughs> I have no idea what any of this means. Yeah. I don't
0: know where I Stop am. Stop it.
2: You're making it worse. I was like, there's a coin that I have to flip over when I activate a specific ability. But the casuals are driving the bus. Mm. More casual players. They have money that they are willing to spend on Magic, just like competitive players have money they're willing to spend on magic. The difference is, casual players, the only expense that Magic has for a casual player is singles. That's it. There's no other... Like, it's singles and, like, sleeves or dice or playmats or whatever. That's Those are their expenses, uh, just, like, buying stuff for their deck. But their all of their buying power is punched straight into the Magic secondary market. Competitive players... Their money that they have earmarked for Magic, even if it's more money, even if they're willing to spend more money than a casual is every month on Magic, that is still going to be split between cards, entry fees, travel costs, and they still have the same sleeves, dice, playmat needs as everybody else. Life pads, bookie boards, whatever. Like There are so many more things to suck up your Magic money if you are playing competitively than there are if you are playing casually. If you're playing casually, the only thing you need to buy is singles. And that shows, because the casual... The singles that appeal to casual players are way more expensive than the singles that only appeal to competitive players. That's a good thing, by the way. I think it's great. Mm -hmm. I love it. All all cards need a home. And
0: it's good that every single kind of card has some kind of value. I ain't give a fuck about any of that, but you're right. We, we, we are the villains. God damn it. We are the fucking grasshopper. I listen. I am fully
2: embracing my villain arc. It's not an arc. You're already there. Like, you've just, just been the villain for longer than anyone listening has been alive. <laughs> yeah. I just like, you know, I just hate it when people like put wreaths of garlic on their doors so you can't get in. Or... Put those lower cross T's everywhere. I don't know what's to deal with that. Yeah. What is that freaking lowercase T? And why does it make me viscerally ill? And the <laughs> why sun? can't I see myself Ugh. in this silver oh <laughs>
1: mirror? <laughs>
2: it's for cock to sun. But I think it's good, not just because like cards, cards, cards need homes and every anthropomorphized thing gets loves in some way. It's, it, it's a nice yada, yada. Kyle. <laughs> yeah, kumbaya. Also, <laughs> it's that the value of a box is zero sum, right? Mm-hmm. We can go into this really deep about why this is, but we're just not going to do that. You have to. Just trust me on this. The value of a box is zero sum. The value of a box is going to be the expected value of a box. If it's $60, if it's $120, it's going to be there, and prices of all of the cards in that are going to usually equal up to that. For every dollar that increases Mondrak glory, Dominus, in value, it makes your competitive staples from Phyrexia all be one that much cheaper. And that's Mm. a good thing. Yeah, And believe me, like I know that sa- might sound a little tough to believe, but just believe it, or you're fucking don't. I don't give a shit what you do. You, <laughs> I don't care. But knowing this info is super valuable. You are a competitive player because if there's a breakout deck and that breakout deck is centered around a new, uh, a specific creature, and that creature is a dragon, you buy that shit. I don't care if you're like this is not a forty dollar card. Fucking buy it at forty. Hurry mm-hmm. up. The Traxa. Prime example, Atraxa is a great example. That card was had competitive value, but it did not fucking matter. That card was a goddamn angel, and it was yep. a Phyrexian. Someone just like, I'm gonna put this in my forest, in my forest, plains, island, swamp, angel, tribal deck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have them in Ultra Post sleeves that mostly match, different and
0: shades of red.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the all, all of the I have different shades of red. Where the more, the more powerful angels are in darker shades of red sleeves. It's like thematic. Mm. Definitely not cheating. That so like not it, it, it's not because they like the, the way that the way that people like this interface with the game, that is just like not a they're not making any meaningful decisions based on anything, let alone based on extra information that they're giving themselves that they shouldn't have access to. They're just kinda just they're just kind of taking game actions most of the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yet their turns take
2: their- Yeah, because they're not doing they're not moving towards anything. Have you ever seen a fucking room get from one side of the house to the other? <laughs> yes. No. It takes for goddamn ever because it doesn't understand what one side of the house is or what the other side of the nope. house is. It's just gonna go in random directions it until it runs it out I of am. fucking battery. I die here. And th- and that's why and that's why when you see a casual player, you should execute them immediately in the street.
1: For legal reasons. Only in Minecraft.
2: Only in Minecraft. Only in Minecraft. Only in Minecraft. In Minecraft. <laughs> Only in Minecraft. <laughs> But, like, I'm thinking a good example of this is, like, Goldspan Dragon. Oh, yeah. Like, that card, that deck, that Blue Red Dragon's deck was, like, you know, it wasn't called time standard, so it was, you know, it was slightly less terrible than every, every other deck in that format. And you're just, like, looking at Goldspan, you're like, this card is good, mm-hmm. but it's not the best card in the deck, and it literally can only go early in, like, this deck and one other. All Runs Epiphany is in, like, 17 different decks as a four of. Why is Goldspan Dragon worth more? And that's because we talked about supply and demand. The supply was the supply for both of those cards. Like they were at the same rarity and the same set. So like you can assume that there was an equivalent-ish number of all runs of epiphanies and and Goldspan's printed. The demand was there because both had competitive player demands. And then Goldspan also had casual player demand because it says dragon on
1: it. People love a Dargan. I am one of those people.
2: One of my general rules is if the card, the creature type says dragon, quit dragon ass and buy the fucking card. Ooh, that's (laughs) good. I like that. If you think that this dragon might be remotely playable, you have to just fucking buy it now because otherwise you are A, going to never find it at your LGS, B, it's going to be more expensive every day you wait, and C, if you find a casual player who has it and you try to do the thing where I understand that people still trade magic cards in 2023, the year of our Lord i I can't think of a worse way to spend what will inevitably be forty five minutes of trying to convince them to trade you their gold span dragon for whatever it doesn't matter yeah. like it just it's they're just interacting with the game in a fundamentally different way than you are
1: I've had people and they
2: do not want to give it up had people have try
1: to trade cards like in the middle of a game so I'm like oh playing my, God, my opponent I that. and yeah. my opponent is literally trying to trade with someone and I'm like. We have 50 minutes on the clock. We're in game 1. No, please don't. Wait until Get after.
2: Out of here. I just start screeching at people. <laughs> I'm going to be totally honest with you. Like if I'm ever in a situation where I have to play commander, I'll just start whining. Louder and louder <laughs> until they take game action and then I'll just I'll just do something. I I just don't I, I don't have any any patience for that. Y'all have yeah, so it,
1: affected me with the like Me playing in competitive formats now, and I mean, being on this podcast, like I get irritated with Commander and Couch 2, where I'm just like, I get irritated with myself too, because I'm like, how does this game work again? I'm looking at my hand and I'm looking at cards, and I'm like, what is happening? You did this to me. I blame
2: you. That's that's fair. (laughs) Just remember if you're ever not sure if something's going to be expensive or not, ask the dumbest person you know. At the store, what they think of the card, mm-hmm. like during spoiler season, that's the dumbest person yeah. you know. And they're, they're like, "Oh my god, it's so cool!" because if I have two of them and I legend rule them on each other, they do this thing, they, are like, okay, great, that card is going to be extremely expensive. I'm going to pre-order it for two dollars because it might be playable for like a real reason. But that doesn't that doesn't matter. What matters, like, asceticism, is still like ten bucks. Really? Why the card doesn't do anything? You're <laughs> just like, ah, I'm going to spend. I'm going to spend more than four mana on something. That doesn't impact the board in any way or, you know, provide me any real card advantage. It doesn't matter. The casuals are driving the bus. They're the ones that are deciding what what stuff is worth money and what stuff isn't. Which is good, because can you imagine if everybody interfaced with the game like we did, how much? Like, Orcish Bowmasters is like 40 bucks. Can you imagine if only people like us interfaced with that game, how much Orcish Bowmasters like a would be like 100 would be? bucks. It'd be insane. Easily. And you can tell this because... And a good way to look at this is I like to look at MTGO pricing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because MTGO pricing is a world in which there aren't we for reason we've talked about on previous episodes, there are no casual players on. They are all scared away. The only people that are consuming magic product on that are enfranchised ingrained players. So you can see that those casual price that casual pricing doesn't apply there. Right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. What matters is How much people are trying to play this card in a competitive setting. That is why the one ring is like 110 ticks on there right now. And impossible to find. Very flavorful though. You can get it for like 35 bucks in paper. It is $110 if you wanted to buy it on Magic Online. That is the that that's our fucking ghost of Christmas future. If you followed my previous (laughs) advice and slaughtered that casual player in Minecraft in the street. In the street of Minecraft.
1: So we've talked about the stock game of this but what is the timing what what's the best time to buy or check mtg stocks
2: well we talked a bit about like when to buy stuff that's already established and just like Mm, already in circulation thoroughly right but specifically in regards to like new cards i think that's where peak supply comes in and the concept of peak supply this is pretty easy concept to understand tm (laughs) the idea is that when supply is at, at its highest the cost of singles skew downward. Peak supply usually hits in a pretty predictable manner every set because there are never going to be more cards in circulation than when the set is at peak supply. You can generally assume that supply is going to skew downward from there. But peak supply usually hits about three months after a set is released. And And when we say peak supply, again, we mean that's when there are more copies of every card from that set in circulation than there ever will be. That's the peak. Imagine on a graph, that is the peak. Of the supply, right? People are opening product like pre-release kits. People that are just cracking boxes because the part of their brain that understands basic arithmetic is broken. (laughs) They're drafting the set still being printed. Like they're still printing more and more and more of it every time that a distributor runs out, they buy a new chunk from Watsi and Watsi sells that to the stores. Um, People are buying singles for these cards, right? It's not like no one's buying singles. That's where standard singles come from, but the set is still being opened at a rate that replenishes the the sold singles faster than they're being bought so if you imagine like that supply is going up even if the demand goes up the supply will go up even more to cat to keep up with it right like even if like there's a big spike in demand like fable of the mirror breaker for is a great example mm-hmm. right that card didn't do a whole lot and you know it was never really terribly expensive and it wasn't terribly expensive at first and then people figured out how good it was in standard and then like the demand jumped and then people op- and then like the price went up and then stores started just cracking boxes of of neo to try and replenish the supply. And people kept opening packs of neo because they're like maybe I'll get a fable. So then the supply goes up with it. and that keeps on happening like and then like people are like oh shit pioneer 2 supply demand jumps up again. Supply again because the set's currently in print and people just have boxes of this on their shelves. Gets, supply gets to spike again to keep up that first few months there's really no limit to the supply the supply is however much people fucking care to open the product the reason that i say three months and this doesn't continue forever is what happens three months after a set is released is new it set? spoilers for a new set well we're long past spoilers so usually that's when a new set has come out it's right? come out yeah like a new standard set and all of a sudden all the people that were pre-release kits or drafting that old set all drafting that old set doing not all that more. stuff they're gone the only people the only way the cards are going into circulation at this point is really when people are buying packs directly because they're not even opening packs with price anymore. like when they're buying packs or when stores are cracking boxes to get specific things. so that is when supply has reached its peak when the new set comes out that's it you're not going to see there's never going to be more copies of cards from that set in circulation and that's what peak supply is
1: that makes sense so you have a three-month window after a set comes out, if you want yeah, new cards, yeah. yeah. I
2: usually recommend buying it in that like right before the new set comes out. Like mm-hmm. I think that's usually when your peak supply has. Been. Now, obviously, this only applies to like standard sets and stuff like that. Right. Like I'm not talking supplementary sets, though. They, they have their own. They have their own trajectory. And if you're ever curious about what that is, just look at just look at MTG stocks for whatever marquee card from that set is. You're like, when was peak supply for Modern Horizons too? Just look when Solitude. had its lowest dip and you'll see Mm -hmm. that's where peak supply was okay like i'm looking at the i'm looking at the graph for solitude and i can see that mh2 happened it came out like right there at june it looks like june 12th of 2021 and then peak supply looks like it happened right around the time that innistrad midnight hunt came out and then everything spiked there like you can see that j-shaped graph if you look up solitude on mtg stocks you can see the j-shaped graph and you can see where peak supply lands and i think in this case it's like july august september october end of july middle of october yeah it's still about three months okay but you can see that with a bunch of cards like you can you can for supplementary sets they're going to operate on their own timeline but it's still going to be pretty close to that three month mark do
1: you think that one was you was unique in that because of how much it overtook the modern format maybe that's why it it hit that same trajectory as other sets.
2: I think that you're gonna, I think you'd see that same basic graph, that U-shape graph, play out with all of the marquee cards from MH2. Let's take a look at Grief, for example. Followed fairly similar path. Subtlety. Oh, subtlety. My favorite Power Ranger. (laughs) (laughs) That's a call What was another marquee card from MH2? Endurance. Urza Saga. Yeah, these are cards.
1: Would you count the fetch Urza
2: Saga. Yeah, I guess you could, right? Yeah, you could, like, yeah. And Urza Saga, again, you're seeing that same general graph. Okay. And that's because the graph isn't that the general shape. And that's because at the end of the day, what we're trying to f- suss out from looking at this isn't the value trajectory of an individual card, but the value trajectory of this. And you can tell that about that three-month mark is where things are going to hit that peak supply. And then something else is going to come out. And it's going to slow down the rate that that original set is being opened so much that supply is going to stop supply halts and demand keeps going and remember every just existing as a playable card is going to increase demand because there are people like me where cards go and they leave the ecosystem forever right Mm -hmm. like cards that come to my house don't go back into the marketplace nope because i buy low sell Mm never. so like you'll see stuff like fury that just will continuously increase over time but what we're really worried about is like when is that peak supply you want to think i want to buy low but when do i how do i know that something's going to be low if you're looking at a card's price and it's three months after its release you have to acknowledge that barring something crazy changing that's probably going to be the lowest it's going to be for a bit Mm -hmm.
1: all right i like it
2: Are we ready to do a guessing game? I'm ready. I'll go for a guessing game. So we are going to be doing a little bit of a slightly different game than normal. This one is going to be a variation of the prices, right? We each have a card ready that we believe we looked at the price of and we were genuinely surprised. And in this one, we're going to name our card and then each of the other players are going to Guess what they think the price is, and whoever is closest will win. So, we're going to do our classic. We're going to spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. who is it's giving wheel it a card of fortune first. and
0: Price is Right all
2: in one.
1: Oh, it me. It's,
2: Ash- it's Ashley. All right. all right. Ashley, you're going to name a card, and much like the Wheel of Fortune, much like the game show The Wheel of Fortune, the loser of this is turned into Soylent Green. Soylent Green is people. And Green is losers. Soylent Green is people who lost that Wheel of Fortune.
0: Again, Soylent Green is a very good death grind band that's kind of sludgy. Extra sludgy. Extra sludgy. It's Soylent Green. It's made of people. All right. What's that card?
1: All right. My card is Ledger Shredder.
2: Ooh. Okay.
1: I was surprised by this price, so.
2: Okay, Ashley, who do you want to guess first? Yeah. Kyle. Okay.
1: Name a price. Any price.
2: $19. I'm going to guess $18.99. Oh, fuck you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You are too high, but technically Anthony has won.
2: Oh,
0: correct! God damn it, I'm soiling <laughs> green now. No,
2: no, technically here Anthony won. We don't but have to qualify won. shit. <laughs>
1: Do we want the yeah, real? Yeah, because that card is. I think Wait, that
2: card is fourteen price?
1: fifty. The price that I saw was twelve ninety nine, but I might have been looking at the like yeah. low price of that. So,
2: are you looking at like TCG?
1: Yeah, I think that's what I got it from. TCG For like fourteen. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, very very cool. All right, yeah. Kyle I... takes the L. No, bite me. Why were you surprised by that? That card's nutty. I yeah, that I card is know. really good. Were you expecting lower or higher?
1: I think, I think I was expecting lower somehow. I don't, I don't really, really? know. Yeah, I don't really know why.
2: No, Shredder is just really, really fucking good. I mean, it doesn't really see any play in like standard, and it doesn't also doesn't really see any play in Pioneer in Real decks. And it also like its home in Modern, just kind of got wrecked by Hurricane the One Ring. Yeah, Merc Tide got got. They're like, we're going to one for one each other, a bunch. And then someone's just like, ah, what if? What if I I had all the power? (laughs) What if I played four mana Time Walk Ancestral Recall? That sounds good. Hmm. Yeah, let's spin it and see who's going next. Probably me, the loser. Yep. Oh, good news, Kyle. You actually can't lose this one
0: because you are hosting. All right. My card is Ranger Captain of Eos.
2: Is that so? Just to, for clarity, Ranger Captain of
0: Eos is the one that goes and gets the one drops, right? From Modern Horizons one, yes, because there's so many members of Eos.
2: So it's the three drop, three drop, goes,
0: three ETB creature, one or less, put it into your hand, and then you sacrifice it. Opponent can't cast non-creature spells this turn. Ooh, I'm gonna say nine dollars.
1: I was gonna say ten.
0: So Anthony's nine, you're ten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ashley is right. How much is this card? $34.99. What? Jesus Christ. Yeah, this card's fucking $35.
1: Oh, I wasn't going to go that ma- high.
0: Ma- mainly because mainly its only reprint, I believe, was an old border specialty version in MH2. And it's a mythic in MH1. But still, I was very surprised about the price of this card. Because I'm just like, it seems like playing Mardu Death Shadow, and that's it. <laughs> like, Oh, wow. Like, it's
2: expensive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It spiked really hard right around Kamigawa neon dynasty and just kind of stuck around in that general range weird yeah but my guess would not have been a winning guess for the past three years oh wow i was just very wrong in every possible way yeah get got nerd all right so i have one loss kyle has one loss all right can we go for the, the the sweep all right i'm gonna name my card and it's one that i was surprised when i saw the actual price on it and that card is Phyrexian Dreadnought. Mm-hmm. Didn't you just have it up? Like that's the
0: one for Barrage,
2: right?
1: What one is Phyrexian Dreadnought
0: It's I mean. the the one mana twelve twelve. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's the one mana
0: twelve twelve. Okay, oh. so it really it only sees playing legacy like Not even there. Yeah, it, the stifle decks aren't even around anymore. All right, I I'm I'm just gonna I think it's just like absurdly priced, so I don't know, like thirty bucks. How about let's go with that?
1: One mana twelve twelve.
0: This isn't a reserve list card, right? (laughs) Uh, Fuck it. 30 bucks. Let's go with that one.
1: Do I want to go lower or higher?
0: Got a 50 50 shot.
1: Two. I'm going to go lower. Okay. Holy shit. What is it? What? Oh, Oh, jeez.
0: I guess I technically went, oh my God. Is it because it's just there's not many of these in existence anymore? I mean,
2: it's because of one of our big lessons from today that casuals are driving the bus. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter how not playable this card is it's a one mana twelve twelve. it's a one mana twelve twelve, and the people who understand magic the least are going to like this card the most there is a per- significant number of people that are just playing this card like if we look at just lp and stuff there's nothing that's going to be cheaper than like 70 bucks and that's because like this card has some price memory which is a concept we didn't specifically go over but like mm-hmm. is relevant Of being a playable card in Legacy, and the casuals like it a lot because Mm. they like it with their Verals, the Scar Stripe. Interesting.
0: I don't know what that card does. Uh, It's a legendary
2: creature that gives creature cards in your graveyard scavenge. So you can pay their mana cost and put their power worth of plus one plus one counters onto them. The value. Mm. So you can pay one mana, put 12 plus one plus one counters on Verals, and then hit them for 14, and you get to commander damage them into two attacks. Yeah. Cool.
1: times good old
0: command it's always a fun time when you drink squirt
2: squirt that ain't peak <laughs> If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like and subscribe. It helps us out a ton and makes it easier for other players like you to hear what we have to say.
0: You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, Spotify, peanut.fm, and iHeartRadio. One of those was not real, but we'll never tell. It was Peanut, wasn't it? Oh, shut the fuck up.